Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So in the wonderful world of stocks, there are all sorts of recession-proof companies such as Walmart, Dollar General, the dollar store, and companies like that, usually discount stores that are really targeted to people that are on a budget. And those companies tend to get a lot more shoppers and customers that normally wouldn't go there during the good times. While while things are bad and people are really tight for change, they get a lot more attention, love, and customers. So we like to call those recession-proof stocks. And in Web3, it made me really start to think because this space is so volatile. NFTs that were worth thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars are now worth hundreds of dollars or even less. So it starts to look around and wonder, are there anything such as a recession-proof NFT? And if so, what would that look like? Well, today I'm going to share with you two sectors that I think could possibly be recession-proof and might be an interesting place to look during dips. So first, I must say, the first time I started to look and study recession-proof stocks and companies was during the 2008 financial crisis. I used to watch a show called Mad Money. And by the way, if you're familiar with that show, you know that is a horrible place to get any kind of financial advice whatsoever. However, it is very interesting. And a lot of people used to call in and start to talk about their various moves, what they think about certain companies, and they're going to invest in it. And this guy would rate these companies, buy, sell, and so forth, and he'd play sound effects on the soundboard. And all sorts of different things. Well, funny enough, somebody actually put all of his stock picks versus an ape and see who got more right. And the monkey won. So needless to say, it is an entertaining show, horrible place to get financial advice. And so anytime you hear anyone, including myself, speaking about different things, you have to know, take everything with a grain of salt. However, I did get the idea of these recession-proof stocks from watching that during the 2008 financial crisis. And over the years of watching Walmart and Target and all those companies, they seem to be really strong, if not better during recession and poor times than during the good times when everyone's shopping at these luxury stores and what have you. So going back to all of this stuff, when I'm looking around the market and I was trying to think, well, what would a recession-proof NFT look like? And this is not something that's going to ride the waves of all the hype and all that stuff. And the first sector that I really identified that jumped out to me as something that I would think, and again, I'm going to emphasize that, I would think would be recession-proof. And based on the data that I'm seeing right now, it seems to be pretty solid, is music. Now, this category is very interesting because I'm going to quote Violetta. I've said this quite a few times, but she has a quote that I thought was very awesome. And it says, us as artists, we have been in a bear market for over 20 years. So, so in regards to them just cutting out and just running away while things are down, that is not what's going to happen with these musicians because they have found new life. They have found a place where they can be as creative as they want to be. They can put out the content that they want without being censored by a record label or shaped and molded into a cookie cutter thing. They can literally create and that's what they love. And they also have the touch point of just going straight to their audience, interacting with them on Twitter spaces and building up that fan base, that community that you just can't do in traditional music and getting your streams with Spotify and all of that. Because when you're streaming music on Spotify, what kind 
kind of connection do you really have with the artist? Well, just think of it from the artist standpoint. What kind of connection do they have with their fan base, the people that are streaming that stuff, and how much different and better is that in Web3? Not only do you have to not go through all of those different layers to get paid, but also the benefit of having that community and the fan base and all the touch points and everything that much more loyal. But going back to the whole thing, as someone who's collecting and buying these NFTs, what would make this so recession-proof or something, a good play to look for, something that's not going to be extremely volatile and price-sensitive as we see a lot of these profile pictures and those hype machine companies and so forth. And if you listen to episode 193, I speak about a secret that DGENs know about the market, and that is that the market really isn't efficient. In free capitalistic markets, we like to think that the market knows everything and it is all priced in. All the data, all the information that is out there, whether the breaking news, whatever is going on with the company, all those things are going to be priced into the market price of the stock market or in the case of these NFTs, what's going on? Well, that is not entirely true in the sense that taking all of the factors out as far as any kind of fraud, any kind of insider trading or wash trading or any kind of manipulation of data or anything of that nature. I'm going to take that out there for a second. And those things do actually factor in. But even without that, let's say all of those things are not a factor and everything is fair and the market really is efficient. Is that true? I would still say no, simply because it operates on emotion and there's nothing logical or efficient about emotion. And in the case of this with NFTs, we know it is a very emotional market. The same exact NFT that was worth $10,000 a couple months ago is worth absolutely nothing, or in many cases, it is worth a couple hundred dollars today simply because of emotion. Nothing changed about the project. It is a case of a community-driven project, such as like the Lazy Lions. I mean, they're still there. They're still loud as ever. They're all over Twitter, and yet their price is a fraction of what it was before. Now, there's an argument to make be made that the price was way too high before, but you mean, fundamentally speaking, the actual price project itself, what's going on, they're the, pretty much the same as they were a few months ago, but the price is way down. Now, that's just one example. I can go literally across the board and do every single one of those, and it's all based on emotion. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Does music spark an emotion for you? Obviously, yes. Music absolutely sparks emotion. And if you think of when you're watching a movie and all of the different tones, whether it is a happy song, someone's running or something scary is about to happen, you know, those music tones and the beats and the resonance of the sound actually changes your emotion. And if you're watching a shark movie, for example, and someone is getting chased by the shark and they start to play something like this... Your adrenaline and your emotions, all sorts of different things, it really starts to spark. You know, you weren't necessarily there in the water. You know it's a movie. You're just watching a screen. You know no one's going to get hurt. However, your adrenaline spikes up and fear sets in. And that's just one extreme example. But, I mean, this is really with anything. If you watch a commercial and they want to make you feel lovey-dovey and want you to cry, maybe a baby or an elderly person or something like that, mom and dad getting a gift or, you know, one of those videos when the soldier is coming from home and seeing the wife and kids, there is a tone in the background that sparks emotion. Now, music is very good at that. If nothing else, music is good at telling stories and sparking emotions. Anytime I hear certain songs, it brings me instantly back to a certain year. For example, just to name a few, if I ever hear Mo Money, More Problems, which is Notorious B.I.G. and uh, Mace and P. Diddy back in the day, the late 90s, 
it brings me back to middle school dances. Me and my friends just dancing around, just waiting for Biggie's part, Notorious B.I.G., his part to come in, and everyone just starts to act a fool of themselves on the dance floor. If I hear Christina Aguilera's Genie in the Bottle, it brings me back to the summer when I moved to the neighborhood where I basically went through the rest of high school with all of those guys and everything. Because as I was unpacking my room and setting up everything, getting all those things out of the box, that was the hot song that was on the radio constantly. You know, back in those days, every six, seven, eight songs, this hot song would come on, whatever's popular at the time. And Genie in the Bottle was driving me crazy because that was the popular song during that summer. If I hear Elephant Man or Sean Paul or any of those uh, Jamaican artists from back in the early to mid 2000s, it brings me back to college campus parties and just dancing around with all the Caribbean students. If I hear No Love by Lil Wayne and Eminem, it just brings me back to 2011, just during a crazy dark time for me when just things were going wrong, business was failing and all sorts of things. And it was just a rough time for me. When I hear that song, it brings me right back to that point, And it's like, wow. I remember that day, what that felt like that was not cool. So those are just a few of them. I'm going all over the place right now. But if you think about it, any song that you could possibly think of, it might bring you back to your high school graduation, maybe your wedding day, your birthday, or something of that nature, the day your child was born, anything. These songs really do spark an emotion, bring back memories, and all sorts of things are attached to it. Now, as a collector, those are the type of things that is very important because collectors that are emotional about the things that they hold on to don't necessarily want to sell them. So with these artists that are putting out this music, they're building this fan base, this connection, whether it be on Twitter spaces or in live events or whatever, whatever utilities being delivered through these NFTs. These people hear these songs, they associate it with all those memories that are associated with all of that. So any artists that came out, let's say during all of the lockdowns and the pandemic and everything, those NFTs are going to bring a certain memory to those people that were in that community during that time and remembering, wow, I remember exactly what it was like to be locked down and I'm listening to Sammy Ariega or Violetta sing her songs in Twitter spaces and I'm going to hold on to those because it's going to be like a time capsule to me. And because of that, you'll see that People aren't just quick to unload. The market goes down and they panic and then just slash the prices and just throw it down there. And those are just two that I'm naming off the top of my head. But if you look at any kind of music, anything, because again, it is an emotional connection. And these NFTs are not just an emotional collection with the particular song, but it's also with the artist and the people that are also in those spaces together in that community. So it's very interesting and the bond is definitely there. And as I said, the market moves not on logic, not on facts, but generally speaking, it moves on emotion and nothing creates more emotion than music. Now, the second sector that I really found that seems to be resistant to any kind of logic, anything going around, any kind of data, and it's just independent of itself, seems to be gaming. Whether there's good times or there's bad times, guess what? Gamers are going to game. They don't really care if the S&P 500 is down, if crypto markets are down, if they're having a good time playing a particular game, they're going to play it. Now, it might be a bad time to launch a brand new video game console, let's say a PlayStation 16 or whatever they're up to these days, decides to come out during a recession. Sure, that launch might not go as well as if it was during a boom market when everyone's making money. But what I'm talking about is games that are coming out and being released and people are playing regardless of the fact because they enjoy playing games. If the game is fun, 
it's usually pretty addictive. Gamers get into it and they're into it. Now, I'm not talking about these $10,000 speculative pieces of metaverse land or anything of that. I'm talking about a game, right? Games in the $50, $60, $100 range. That's what a console game is coming for or a PC game and apps are even less than that. So what I'm talking about is, let's say a $50 NFT that has some sort of gaming utility to it, whether it is a skin in such as a game like Blancos or any game with utility on the Wax blockchain or anything of that nature, pretty much anything that is not on ETH because ETH in gaming is not really a thing. Sure, the gas fees are way down now, but you know, any kind of traffic and traction, and especially if you're doing a lot of transactions, it just does not make logical sense to do it on ETH. So what I'm talking about is the actual gaming blockchains, whether it is Wax, Solana, or any of these other side chains, proprietary chains specific to a type of game or whatever. If the game is fun, it is very sticky. The community's there and they're playing it. It's going to be pretty price resistant. It doesn't really matter about what's going on in the economy because once people have that, that is a way to escape from all the madness that's going on. They go and they play their games. So someone might not be able to afford that uh, trip to Vegas to go play poker. However, they can have one of these NFTs and be in one of those poker communities entering tournaments and all of that. And there's quite a few of them that are related to a game. And I'm not talking about the casino ones and all that stuff, but actually playing a game. And it just happens to be an NFT to get access to whatever game is going on. Or we're talking about something like paintball trips and all that. You know, people are going to go play their Call of Duty or their first person shooter types of games. So anything with, say, utility or skins or say even uh, the tools and weapons that might be NFTs. I mean, those are the type of things. If the game is sticky, well, those tools and skins and things like that are going to hold their value because the gamers are going to play those games. And car things, right? So some people might not be able to put a new turbo or brand new engine into their vehicle or whatever, but if they're car enthusiasts and they're playing these games, guess what? Whether it is a recession or not, they're still going to go into this game and they're going to race their cars and do what they have to do. So let's say you have that digital NFT of that turbo to put in the engine. Well, if this game is popular, it is fun, it is sticky, people are there, the market might absolutely tank, but if that game is popular, guess what? That turbo, NFT, whatever it is, it's going to hold its value in the sense that People want the turbos to put into the engine, into the game, and they're going to be able to play it. Now, generally speaking, you know, the majority of video game players aren't exactly gung-ho and enthusiastic about Web3, but many of them are. And those that are in the police, in the space, and they see the value of these NFTs, if they're playing these games, again, it's all dependent on that game. Is it a good game? Because a lot of these projects are launching and all these promises of metaverse and gaming and all that, but the game absolutely sucks. No, I'm not talking about that. Those are the people that have the game as a secondary thought. But what I'm literally talking about is a game game that people enjoy playing and somehow they have figured out how to put those elements of ownership into it and that ownership comes in the form of nfts now they're not advertising this stuff as being blockchain gaming and necessarily all about play to earn and all that stuff but what i'm talking about is a sticky game people love it it is fun and they have NFT elements, those NFTs are not going to be as fluctuating and up and down with this market as we see other NFTs are. Prices are far more stable. And you can just look across the board. Just find a good game and look at those NFTs for those games. And you'll see what I mean. Now, this might not be a sexy area, either of these, these music NFTs or these gaming NFTs, because they're not going to $100,000 valuations such as a Bored Ape. But we're talking about having utility, real world value, and being able to hold it regardless of what's going on, what kind of panic is setting in. And music and gaming 
check those two boxes in my opinion. And if there's anything that you have seen out there, you know, I'd love to know what type of Web3 games or musicians are you interested in following? Please feel free to share it to me at Tropic Vibes on Twitter. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.